Okay, the Psalm 1, the very beginning, and it can be found on your Bibles in page 522. It's page 522. And it's the very first Psalm. Blessed are those who do not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. They are like tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will be destroyed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great, thank you, uh, Aichi. I'll try and remember your married name, future. Thank you, Joe, for reading. Psalm 1, I'd love you to have it open. I'm going to refer to it in the next few minutes. Uh, but just a word of prayer. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to ask God to help me to uh, speak and bring his word alive to us. Help it to make sense of our everyday lives. Father, there it is. We believe your word is food to nourish our soul, to feed our spirit, to encourage and guide us. And so we ask that your word would indeed feed us today as you speak through it, through me, by your spirit. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. We've been um, studying the Psalms uh, over these last few weeks and uh, we conclude, uh, perhaps uh, slightly perversely, with the very first Psalm. Uh, uh, Perhaps we should have started with it. We've looked at a number of psalms within the Bible, um, all sorts of different aspects of the human condition described there, and uh, mirrored and picked up, kind of uh, understood and empathized by the psalmist. And I guess the question, um, not just with the psalms, but if we were to amplify it to the the whole of Scripture, this inspired set collection of books, how do we make sense of it, of them. Is there a way in which we could distill the wisdom of Scripture? I mean, just, just pages and pages. So much of it, it's kind of strange idioms, funny language, um, odd concepts, really hard to, to get into it. Is there a way in which we could distill the message of the Bible into a, a simple take-home message? Something that that helps us to make sense of our extraordinarily complex lives, our our own individual lives and the complexity of society and culture in which we live. Is there a way in which God, through his word, can speak clearly, plainly, simply to us? And I'd want to suggest that if you're here this morning, you're just trying to make sense of life, and perhaps in trying to make sense of life, you're trying to make sense of the Bible and trying to make sense of what God is saying to us, then Psalm 1 is not a bad place to start. It's a simple distillation of life from God's perspective. 
And as we begin to appreciate life from God's perspective through the wisdom of the psalmist here in Psalm 1, we can begin as we apply it to make sense of our own lives in the here and now. Because Psalm 1 basically offers two ways to live. The psalmist says there are two ways to live. And uh, if I can talk about those two ways from verse one, uh, from Psalm 1, then it would be verse 6, the first bit, the way of the righteous. And it would be verse 1, uh, the way of sinners or the way of the wicked. The way of the righteous and the right way of the wicked. Righteous in basic Bible terms, righteous in, in the Psalms, a righteous person or a righteous nation was a person or a nation in the nation of Israel who looked to honor God. They kind of start with God at the center of the, the wheel of their life, if you like, and all the spokes emanating out from that would, would, would emanate from God and their knowledge of him and their desire of him and their pursuit of him, God. Honoring God and seeking to order every aspect of their lives in accordance with his heart and plans and purpose. Their, their dreams and desires, their work, their energies. A righteous person is seeking to place every aspect of their lives under the, the kingship or the lordship of God. That is the righteous and so the wicked very simply, it's a stark antithesis of those who don't. They live their lives just like you do. They eat and drink and work and you have energies and money to spend and plans and dreams just like the righteous. But they don't seek to bring all of those plans and dreams and energies, time, under the kingship and the lordship of God. To ask, if you like, God, what is your heart, your desire for my place of work, for the way I run the home? for how I parent my children, for how I am with my colleague, or whatever it might be. There's the way of the righteous, there's the way of the wicked. And it takes an insightful and a godly wise psalmist to be able to tease out the difference between the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And he does it, you've probably noticed, with the culmination of this psalm, by by looking at the end, and, and if you like, starting with the end in mind. The wicked, verse 5, will not stand in the judgment. In other words, the end of our, our sort of lives here on earth, when this world and all that we know of it comes to an ultimate conclusion, and God appraises, reviews, looks over the whole of creation and its response to him. How has it gone? How have we done? And at the judgment, at that appraisal, at that assessment, the wicked will not stand, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. There'll be a divine separation. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, verse 6, but the way of the wicked will be destroyed. It's with that end time perspective that the psalmist is able to work backwards and begin to apply it in the here and now, and see things clearly from God's perspective when to human perspective it all seems pretty much the same. Isn't that your experience? Uh, uh, you live and work amongst 
biblically referenced wicked people. People who do not reference their life ultimately to God or to God at all. And they do okay. They're not destroyed. You, you don't walk into work and, well, actually, maybe in sort of recession and so on, maybe you do walk in where there's one or two empty chairs around, sort of smoke arising from the seats, but not in a sort of a, 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 a divine way, if I can put it like that. I mean, we, we don't just see um, uh, people walking down the street suddenly just uh, disappear in a puff of smoke or a flash of lightning and they're you know, judged on the spot. No, we, we see people who are decent people, good people, nice, kind people, but not really godly people, they don't have God at the center of their lives, and they're doing okay, they live in nice houses, they have nice jobs, they have great kids, decent car, great holiday. They do well, they, they prosper. In fact, that is the cry of the psalmist. It's a kind of recurrent, recurrent theme through the psalms. Why, when I'm in this testing place, this tough place, as a, as a righteous person, someone seeking to put God at the center of my life, why is it that those who don't are doing better than me? I won't ask for a show of hands, but I wonder whether, if I was to ask for that, how many of us at some stage have felt that, experienced that, know the reality of that? I'm, I'm going through a pants time, uh, you know, and I'm meant to be serving a God who blesses, and, and, and yet here are people who don't give any acknowledgement to God, and they're going for a great time. How can that be? That's not fair. That doesn't make sense. And we begin to lose heart. If, I, I, I lose heart. And I think I'm trying to walk in the way of the righteous. I'm trying to honor God in all that I do. And it just seems so hard. It just seems like a, a slog. The, the disciplines involved in, in realigning my life to fit with the precepts of the Lord, to, to, to walk in his ways, constantly to discipline myself, is tiring and wearisome. Other people don't bother to do that. And, and they seem to prosper. We need the insight of the psalmist. We need to lift our eyes from the here and now and have something of God's perspective on life. What is man that you are mindful of him? The psalmist says, he's like the grass of the field. He's here today, gone tomorrow. Our lives that can seem so important can fill the whole of our consciousness. I like that to God. He has a much greater perspective, and the psalmist has tapped into that perspective. His eyes, if you like, have been opened to that unseen realm, the real realm, the heavenly realm that impacts our lives here on earth. Two things that I want to suggest help us to see like the psalmist sees and so be sustained in our everyday lives. Two things that the psalmist can see that aren't always, if at all, visible to the naked eye. They're not immediately apparent. The wind and the roots. The wind and the roots. But they're real. They may not be apparent right now, but they're real and they have an effect. Look at verse 4. As he uh, juxtaposes the wicked with the righteous, how, and I'll come on to this in a minute, how the righteous are blessed and are fruitful. But, verse 4, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. You know, uh, winnowing, the, uh, the farmer would winnow the, the corn. Uh, it would all have been harvested, and then you'd pick up a, a, a winnowing fork, and you'd sort of just, just lift up 
what it, with this, all the stuff on the ground, like that. And the, and the wheat, the corn, the weight of the corn would make it drop straight away. But even the lightest breeze would blow away the chaff. That's the stuff you don't want. And it's just the lightest breeze. It's, it's, it's of no substance. It's rootless. It's not anchored anywhere. You just throw it, offer it up to the breeze, and the breeze just takes it away. The thing of substance, the thing of value is what's left. And when we have the psalmist's perspective, when we see things through God's eyes, we are reminded that the, the biblically wicked, I know that has overtones in our current language, but those who don't place God at the center, ultimately, it doesn't appear like it now, but ultimately, whew, chaff. Chaff. And we need, we need the psalmist's eyes on that. Why would we invest in any activity or thought that is just blown away when the wind of test, where the wind of judgment comes? That's the first invisible thing that we can't fully see. You can't see the wind. You can only see the effects of it. Uh, and it's because of the effects that we know the wind is there and exists. And God's wind of judgment, if you like, in this context, it's real, it's there. We may not feel it, we may not be blowing too hard just at the moment, but it's there and it's real. And it blows away that that is not rooted, that doesn't have substance, and in this context is not secured to the Lord. What is the other positive unseen? It's the work of roots. Of the tree. Look at uh, verse 3, talking of the righteous, those who look to honor God in all of their lives. They are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. We don't see the roots of a tree, but if it wasn't for the roots, you'd have no tree with its leaves in season and its fruits and so on. The roots go down deep, and day and night, they are drawing out moisture and nutrients and so on from the soil. And so it is with the righteous rooted into God and in his law. You notice verse 2, they're the ones who've learned to delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Just turn with me to um, the prophet Jeremiah. And chapter 17 Uh, page 735. And you'll see that Jeremiah picks up this theme. I, I wouldn't mind betting that he'd been reading and meditating on Psalm 1. Look what he says, verse 7 of chapter 17. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. If you kind of compare those two verses there with um, verse 3 of Psalm 1, you can see obvious overtones, obvious similarity. But Jeremiah adds just a little bit more poignancy, doesn't he, in terms of this kind of test or trial, when just things seem hard, when others seem to prosper, when the righteous don't seem to be blessed. Sends out its roots by the stream, verse 8. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought 
and never fails to bear fruit. There are dry times, there are testing times. Yet a tree, as it were, rooted in the Lord, someone rooted in the Lord, looking to honor him, to center their lives on him in every aspect of their being, will bear fruit, even in the, t- in the, in the tough times. Their leaves will be green, even in the dry and testing times. That's the difference. It's that unseen work. It's drawing on the life of God by his spirit, which, again, we, we can't sort of measure or quantify in human terms or in natural terms. But it bears fruit. It grows character. It develops faithfulness and perseverance. It brings us to maturity. Do you see how having this end time perspective of the wicked who will perish and the righteous whom the Lord always looks out for and seeks to bless, those two antithetical positions, as we work them back into the present, allowing for those unseen forces, the fact that there's the wind, the fact that there are roots drawing moisture, drawing God's goodness, means that we can see even now with the eyes of faith, the difference in these two ways to live. It's not really two ways to live. It's one way to live and one way to be destroyed, to put it rather starkly. And that's what the psalmist wants us to see in the here and now, that our everyday decisions are critical, actually. As I wake up, how am I going to live today? How will I start my first hour and the next hour and the next hour? Every time the phone rings, Lord, how how am I going to respond to the person on the other end of the line, the knock on the door, the interruption at work, every unplanned or unforeseen circumstance, as well as those that are on my to-do list. And as I learn to draw deep from the roots, as I, as I draw on God and his wisdom and his inspiration for every aspect of the day, I shall be able to withstand the wind when it blows. I'll be able to bear fruit even in the tough times, the fruit of God's life, worked out in me. I'll know, as the psalmist does in verse 1, that I'm blessed if I don't walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, easy as that is to do. I can be in the world, but not of it. And I'll know God's blessing. I'll know that the Lord watches over me day and night. Discouraged, weary, on the way of righteousness, then the psalmist, I think, is effectively saying, don't so much look around, but look ahead and draw your inspiration from what you know ultimately will be reality one day. Work it back into your life now. And know the Lord's blessing as you continue faithfully in the way of righteousness. Psalm 1, with a number of other psalms, kind of distillation of God's word to us. There are two ways to live, choices to make. There's a way that leads to righteousness and the Lord's blessing forevermore. Or there's the way that leads ultimately to destruction. Let's have a moment or two of quiet just to reflect on Psalm 1 and on this ultimate message of God to us in Scripture. Let's offer to him our current situation, whether it's tough and testing, whether we're at a, maybe something of a crossroads, decisions to make, 
We're conscious maybe that there are areas, aspects of our lives that are not totally yielded to God. We haven't offered them to him and asked for him to teach and guide us, to speak to us, to show us his desires, his plans through us. It's an opportunity now just in the quietness of our hearts to, uh, to talk to him and to hear from him. And a short word of prayer as I close. Father, for every single one of us here, as we journey through life, that we might grow in righteousness by your strength. That our plans and decisions, our thoughts and dreams, would increasingly be in line with your plans and thoughts and dreams for our lives and for the whole of creation. Lord, that we would be those rooted like a tree by streams of life-giving water. We trust in that unseen work of your Spirit growing us and establishing us in your love. And Lord, that through the tough times or the testing times, you, your life in us, would resource and grow us, that we would be fruitful for your glory and for the sake of others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.